This is Voices of Lancashire, a podcast about migrants who live in Lancashire and made their home here. I am your host, Lara Momesso. I live in Lancashire and I am an Italian migrant myself. Voices of Lancashire is born out of my personal experience, which I am sure is shared by many other immigrants. How many times have people asked us the question, where are you from? And how many times have the same people made assumptions about who we are and what we do here, precisely because of our nationality? Assumptions that do not necessarily correspond to our life stories. Out of this experience, I decided to create Voices of Lancashire, a space where migrants who live in Lancashire talk about their life stories, why and how they moved to Lancashire, their impressions of this part of the world, their ambitions and their everyday life experiences in a place that has become their permanent or temporary home. For this first series, Voices of Lancashire will consist of 12 episodes published fortnightly, each with an immigrant living in one of Lancashire County districts. If you are an immigrant interested to know more about the experiences of other fellow immigrants or a local interested to know more about the life experiences of your new neighbors, this podcast is definitely for you. Follow me. Hi, everyone. Today's episode is with Terry, a student and professional from Hong Kong. Thank you so much for being here with us, Terry. Hello. Terry arrived in Lancashire's Preston to study arboriculture at the Marsgo College three years ago. She's a global citizen. She was born in Hong Kong. She lived in Canada, Toronto for several years in her 20s, and then she went back to Hong Kong. And eventually she moved to Preston a few years ago. So it's quite a difference what uh, she has experienced in her life. So Terry, for someone who has lived most of their life in big cities like Toronto, Hong Kong, it must have been quite a decision to move to a town, a big town, but it's still a town like Preston. Can you share with us why and how you decided to come here? To come to the UK, it is because uh, I've decided to change my field. Instead of working in business, I would like to change my career field to arboriculture. In the UK, they have systematic education for arboriculture for university level. Also, I would like to live in other Western countries than in uh, Asia or Hong Kong. That's why I decided to come to UK to start my new career and study here. The reason that I have selected Preston is because arboriculture, which if someone doesn't know what arboriculture is, urban tree management. In order to study at university level, the only options available in the UK will be in Preston or in Inverness in Scotland. So in terms of selecting which city to settle, I didn't have much choices but to follow which schools offer the sort of course that I would like to study. So you actually applied for both schools? I've only applied for Preston because when I was in Hong Kong, when I look at the map in Inverness, it's way too north and I can anticipate that it will be very cold and very hard to be accessible to go back to England from the northern Scotland. Moreover, most of my friends who come from Hong Kong, they are living in London. So 
it's better to be in England than in Scotland to reunite with my friends during Christmas holidays. I see. So you moved, as I said before, you lived before in Hong Kong, in Toronto. So can you tell us how was your life when you were in these big places, cities, and how it is in comparison, how it is now in comparison to those cities, how it is in Preston? Is there anything you miss or something that you don't miss at all of big cities? Like in Hong Kong, it will be like in a cosmopolitan city, like in London, in which everything is going very quick, fast-paced, efficient. I like the life there because I'm using my mother tongue to communicate and the place is lively, but a bit stressed. For Toronto, it's more like uh, Manchester because it has a slower pace and very industrialized feeling. And it is a very multicultural society because it is formed with different immigrants, like an immigrant place like in London or Manchester. But in Preston, most of the people are from Preston, grew up here or from the UK instead of people who know what is multiculturalism and have been exposed to many different places in their life. Less activities you can find in Preston because it's more family-based and people usually go to pub after work and they enjoy staying at home doing different things like knitting or cooking, something like that, because they don't have many activities, especially for the weather in the UK is very cold. So during the winter, the sun sets very early. So there's nothing much to do after you get off work. More likely the UK style of chit-chatting and that's it. While in Hong Kong, because it's very task-oriented place, that's why after having our work in Hong Kong, perhaps other than getting a drink, we might sign up for some classes, courses like candle making or wine tasting, something like that. And those are much more accessible in Hong Kong than in Preston. One more thing in Preston is the website meetup.com is less popular in Preston, but more popular in Hong Kong and Toronto, in which creates more new activities for the newcomers to join. Can you repeat the name of the website? Meetup.com. Ah, Meetup. Yes. I've used it much more indeed when I was in Asia than uh, here in the UK. You're right. If you're in Manchester or in Toronto, they still have tons of activities. It's just for Preston, people know each other already before. And they're more likely to have activities on Facebook groups. However, it's more for the people above 40 years old. Because I tried to look for similar communities so that I can meet and greet people. But just the age group is more about me, in which make me feel less interested to join. And they have less business activities because like in Hong Kong, it's a very business-oriented group. So they have mixer or after-work drinks so that you can know other professionals. But in Preston, that isn't this case. Yeah, very often it is used as a way also to network precisely for work and have more opportunity or work opportunities indeed. Good. Thank you so much. So is there anything you miss, but also anything that you don't miss about life in big cities? Life in big cities, there will be many concerts and exhibitions. In terms of the context of Preston, it's hard to assess because 
most of the the activities or shows that I want to join all occur in London, like those Taylor Swift concerts, those type of things. While in Hong Kong, it has less international events or less nice museums than in London. So as a result, I think if I can live in London, everything will be soft already. Or if Preston were nearer to London, then there's no problem of living in Preston because train can solve everything. Yes. And the point is that here trains don't really solve everything because there are many problems with delays and so on and so forth. But that's another story. (laughs) So there's also another big change in your life. As you mentioned before, you were a professional. You used to work in international companies as project manager and business reporter. And now you're studying arboriculture. So I found it fascinating when you mentioned about this pathway. You explained before what it means, but it would be also nice to know what professional pathways this course of study will lead to. What will you be most likely doing in your future? Arboriculture, it is tree management. So anything related to tree will be in my field. However, what won't be in my field will be the forestry, in which is more commercial tree planting in order to obtain money from timbers. So for the tree management, what you can do includes being a tree officer for the council, work in the uh, consultancy for tree risk survey or planning application reports, tree nurseries to help planting trees so that you can purchase in the gardening center, plant sciences in which you can work in a lab to look for some new pests and disease on trees and do the research about it. Do you already have an idea of what you would like to do? I would like to start my career as a consultant because I can quickly catch up with the tree species due to performing tree surveys and understand what are the risky trees. Ultimately, I would like to work as a tree officer because that is the time when I can contribute to the community and help managing the trees. So the reason of why I need to start as a consultant before promoting to a tree officer is because tree officers usually read the survey report from the consultancy. So in order to know whether the consultants have been doing a good job, it's better to work as a consultant before working back as a tree officer. I see. Why did you decide to make this jump from project management to arboriculture? My personality is introvert. While when I was a project manager, I get to talk with many people every day to do some coordinations, which is interesting. But intrinsically, I prefer to work with something that doesn't need much conversation and interaction in some point of the week. So to work with trees, trees doesn't talk to you. You just have to visually look at it and observe what are their potential issues and think of the ways to cure it or make its health improve or decide whether it's has to be uh, protected or it has it can be fallen due to those new constructions. So the authority of keeping 
a tree staying or abandoning the tree will come from myself, which means I can do a better effort to keep the trees that worth to keep. That's uh, very interesting. I, I also think this kind of pathways will become more and more important with a broader context of climate change and uh, these kind of challenges that we are facing with uh, regard to nature, how it evolves as a consequence of our behaviors. So you are a student and you're actually the first student I interview for this podcast. I'm curious to know what you have learned about British society from your interaction with your classmates or also with, you, with teachers. Do you notice any difference or similarity between your and British culture and also between studying in the UK and studying in Hong Kong? British culture is a very polite culture in which people will say many please and also think about others' thoughts and opinion before doing any decisions, which is good as a foreigner because you can ask them to repeat when you don't understand without them actually expressing their unsatisfaction or impatience. But of course, as time goes by, I'll try to avoid that as well because I don't want to, them to lose their patience. But that's what I appreciate because it's not a norm for all the countries. And for British, on the other hand, although they are polite, they are more straightforward. Like in a work context, they will raise points of discussion when they find any doubts, but not hiding in order to get any harmony, in which I appreciate because it will lead to a truthfully right decision and also help people to do more thinking instead of having no rationale to support a decision, in which is very common in Asia because Asian, they are more into efficiency and usually work is very busy in Asia and they'll have a lack of time to do reflection on thinking why this thing has to be done like this and ultimately in long term might lead to some wrong decision. So I like the meticulous procedures that the British are doing in their workplace. But in terms of non-working environment like a human relationship environment, I think they are less straightforward than the people in Hong Kong. Because Hong Kong people, they are famous for saying it out when they felt themselves being bullied or thinking that it's not fair. But in British context, it's more subtle. So they don't really put it onto the table unless it is very severe. So in terms of human relationship, I feel more comfortable when I'm in Hong Kong because small talks are good and bad. Good in terms of you get to be more familiar with your surrounding people or colleagues. But the bad thing is if small talk is only has become a gossip, then it's not good because I prefer to do things frankly, bring it up to the table, than people feeling uncomfortable and not uh, speaking it out. Do you think you make people here feeling uncomfortable when you link, relate to them in a too straightforward way? Yes, sometimes. Because, for example, sometimes when I'm anxious, I might be talking too loud or like my usage of word is too straightforward because I don't speak as fancy as a local who 
who has a normal level of English? I think I do. <laughs> we are also much more straightforward. <laughs> One example will be like, at first, when I came to the UK, I say a lot of no. But afterwards, it became I'm good, thank you, which is a no. At first, how I communicate with my housemate is that they said something instead of they don't need it or no. So when they seem want to refuse me, but I wasn't sure, then I'll ask, does this phrase mean a no? And then she'll say, mm, yes, it's a no. And I say, oh, thank you. So I start to collect all the vocabularies, which doesn't relate to a yes. So that I don't have to clarify all the time. Is it a yes or no? Because getting wrong a yes or no will make my decision totally change. Yes, I fully understand you. There is a word that I learned it from actually from my husband, which is when I ask something, do you want to do this or that? The answer is possibly. To me, possibly means practically yes. Yes, I might think about it potentially. And we had so many arguments because when he said possibly, I took it for a yes. And then uh, most probably most of the times is a no for him. And it took forever for me to understand that possibly meant no. <laughs> At some point, I even told him, please tell me no if it's no. And he keeps on saying possibly. I think there is not this skill of talking in a straightforward way. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like if I say now you are not using possibly, and if he say probably, then it's another possibility which is higher than possibly, which gets so confused. That's why talking with locals is so important. And having some local friends who are frank to you is also important because if someone that you're not familiar with and you're asking those questions like possibly, probably, do you mean yes or no? It just sounds not that polite in front of a stranger. Yes, indeed. So thank you so much for these examples. Now I want to move to another topic, which is citizenship, because you mentioned to me that uh, you actually have British citizenship And actually, originally, you were worried that you would not fit into this podcast. And I also explained to you that I have a very flexible approach to what I think could be an immigrant. This approach is definitely not shaped by a document, in this case, the passport. But instead, I care more about the life experiences of moving from one country to the other, learning about a new society, a language, being or feeling like a stranger at the beginning, and then gradually that integration process that is shared by many immigrants. These are all experiences that are not necessarily common to people who have lived in the same community, area or country for the whole life. So I have two questions about citizenship. The first one is what it means for you, citizenship. Citizenship is you belong to that country and you should have a sense of belonging to the UK, which is you should concern about culturally, economically, politically, and the history of the UK, all aspects of the UK in order to be a citizen that is a past citizen, but not a fake citizen. Okay, a very civic approach to citizenship. And the other question is, you have two citizenships, right? This is very interesting, especially for people who just have one citizenship. So how and when do you use them? For British citizenship, Of course, for job application, it's always I'm a British because it will save a lot of hassle for my employers or for those educational institutes to 
think whether it's feasible for me to work for them or study with them. And it also depends on the culture that I'm tackling with. If I'm tackling with most of the British people, I don't want to stand out. And so I will try to put my head as a British citizen and try acting as British as possible. Although I still have a lot of room of improvement, but this is my third year here. So I think after a few years, I might be getting better and better because I try my effort to fit in and be like a British because I have no excuse because I have a citizenship. However, in front of the non-citizens in the UK or those immigrants, I will be telling them that I come from Hong Kong because uh, I know that my character, my behavior, without consciously monitored, I'm still very Hong Kong. So in front of them, I won't be very British because I think they won't particularly appreciate if I act like a British. Not necessarily they they will not like it, but they won't. There's no reason that they will cherish me more because I'm a British. Thanks. And I also have uh, another question. Since you mentioned at the beginning that for you, citizenship is linked also to belonging. And again, I think it's a question that for someone who has one citizenship or live their life in one place, Maybe belonging to different places might sound a bit uh, interesting and different. So do you think you can belong to two countries, right, or to, to societies, the Hong Kong and the British one? Practically, yes, because that's my identity. I can't change. But my center of attention of the society will be depends on which country I'm currently at because we don't really have time to concern both sides with limited time and capacities. So now I'm here, I am sorry to say that I'm less concerned about the news, the happenings in Hong Kong because first I try to fit in to the British society. So all the things that I'm interested in will be what's going on in Britain. Until if I go back to Hong Kong for vacation, that's the time I will go back to my Hong Kong mode. But in fact, um, this might not be very perfect because I still have my parents in Hong Kong in which I should be concerning about their lives by knowing what's going on with them through the news. But I didn't work much on this. Instead, I'm really relying on what they tell me, what they update me in order to understand what's going on with Hong Kong. Okay, thank you so much. And so linked to this as well, what does it mean to be a Hong Konger who lives and studies in the UK? And what do local people know about Hong Kong here? Is there the kind of perception that... British people have of Hong Kong, does it reflect the city you come from? Depends on the age range. I've met people about 40 years old in which they have more knowledge about Hong Kong, like it used to be a colony of Britain being handed over to Chinese government since 1997. And they might say that, oh, I have my cousin or my friend who used to in Hong Kong or worked as a British army, or in fact, they have been to Hong Kong for a few times and they're very enthusiastic to tell me their stories in Hong Kong. They also noticed that there are many Hong Kong 
immigrants in the UK in recent years, especially in Manchester or Birmingham. While for the younger generation, like under 40, especially the ones that are around their early 20s, which are my classmates, they know that Hong Kong is in China, is in Asia, but they didn't know much about the history or the story of colony of Hong Kong. Only very few of them uh, are interested in knowing more about Hong Kong because me as an identity will more be like their friends, their classmates, instead of them knowing me because they want to know I'm Asian. They know me or like be friends with me is because we live together or we have some similar interests together. So Hong Kong doesn't really give them much concern. I see most probably is linked also to geopolitics, right? With the UK being less attached for the last uh, 20 plus years, since 1997 to Hong Kong, this has also created less awareness on, I wouldn't say interest, but definitely less awareness amongst younger people. So I have another couple of questions for you. Did you have any preconceptions or stereotypes about the UK before coming here? And did it then correspond to reality or did you see a society that is actually different from your imagination or the perception? Before coming to UK, I just thought that it would be another Western society and it will be similar as my life that I was in Toronto because they are all Western people, probably multicultural in big cities, but less multicultural, but still many, many British in Preston. The expectation is more or less the same. On the other hand, I did live in Strasbourg in France for half year for as an exchange student. I met many Europeans there. So at first, I thought my experience in Preston will be pretty much like in Strasbourg because I thought British are Europeans. So if I get along well with the Europeans, that means I'll get along well with the British. I find that the British people are actually not that European. <laughs> they are more conservative European. UK or Preston is not as Europe as I imagine, or not very historical feeling, and the places are not very Europe, I'll just say. <laughs> Do you have any examples? In the old Europe, like the type of architectures are like very Victorian, Edwardian, those type of architectures. But except on the city council in Preston, you don't really see this type of architectures, which is the stereotype of European architectures. While maybe in London or uh, city centre of Manchester, you see more. But other than that, those new built or architectures in Preston is more like Toronto, which looks less special, less fancy and less historic. It's still Victorian buildings, but they are developed in the context of industrial revolution, the emergence of factories. So you, you really see these post-industrial cities here in the north, much more than in the south. And do you have any examples with regard to the way people behave, like different from other European cities? People in the North say that they are more friendly than the South of the UK. 
while I have been traveling around the north from Scotland, Edinburgh, Glasgow to the south, like Tunbridge, Brighton, they all feel the same for me, like subtle but friendly. So I don't see the differences of why the northern people are more friendlier than the southern people. I actually see this big difference. I agree with you. British people are friendly in general, but in the north, they are even more friendly. People talk to each other much more than most probably. I lived in big cities in the south, in London. I remember the first time I came to Preston in the train. The train was empty and a person came in and this person sat next to me which is not very common in the UK. You're still friendly, but you have your comfort zone, uh, your privacy. And she started to talk, and we talked the whole way from Manchester to Preston. And it's something that I think is very unique of the North. But that's my experience, obviously. Yes, I do agree with you. I remember on my train trips to Edinburgh and Glasgow, I'm always having people sat beside me and talking with me. I think I'm less sensitive to whether the North or South people are friendly because in default, coming from Hong Kong, we are quite protective. So we don't really expect to talk with strangers in public settings. Me, myself, is introvert. So I prefer to let me stand alone than needing to chit-chat for a few hours in the train because somehow I prefer to have my me time more. So this extra friendliness didn't make me appreciate. Instead, when I intended to chat with my classmates that I met in tree climbing in the South, as being someone in your class or in the market, they are friendly enough to chit-chat with you already. So I think the friendliness of the South is more than sufficient for my life already. Thank you so much, Terry. So I think I have two more questions for you, which I ask to everyone. So do you feel you belong to this country and its society? Yes, I do feel I belong to this country and society because I'm here. I engage with the British people every day. I'm studying their curriculum. I'm working with them to build better England. We are all helping each other. And I enjoy joining the activities, social gatherings organized by the British. So in terms of human aspects and enthusiasm of knowing more about this country and engaging everything here, I think I have a strong sense of belonging to England. Do you think that you will return to your hometown one day? Theoretically, I think here is a very nice place to stay, but my parents, uh, they are living in Hong Kong. So one day when they get older, I'll figure out a way of going back to Hong Kong or having them coming here. Good. So Terry, thank you so much. I think that with this answer, we can end today's interview. Terry, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing with us your life experience here in Lancashire, in Preston. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be talking to you too. Hope that you enjoy our conversation. Thank you, Terry. I loved it. And for our listeners, see you at the next episode. Stay tuned. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.